0: Great to see you all. My name's Josh, one of the pastors here if I haven't met you yet. And I wonder, have you ever seen something that was really great? Uh, Maybe it was a gift or something like that, but you didn't know who it was for, but it was so great that you really wished it was for you. Uh, When I was a kid, I desperately wanted shoes that would light up when you walked around them. I thought that was the coolest thing a kid could ever, ever have. My mum, she disagreed. She thought it was a complete waste of money. You don't need shoes that light up. It's ridiculous. But she did buy a pair of shoes when we were away on holiday one time. And I said, Mum, I'm pretty sure they're shoes that light up. And she said, don't be silly. They don't light up. Don't be silly. I wonder who they're for. This, this could be working out well. And she said, they're shoes for your brother. And I was devastated. And you know what? They did light up like a Christmas tree, I couldn't believe it. Mum accidentally bought them. I spoke to her last night about it and I've never forgiven her. <laughs> Have you ever seen something that was really great, you didn't know who it was for, and you wished it was for you? Over the last few weeks we've been looking at some amazing things about following Jesus. we've seen that if you follow Jesus, he brings real clarity to life, that he offers forgiveness to bring an incredible relationship with our Father, And then Jesus gives the ultimate home and the ultimate family. Following Jesus is amazing. There's nothing worth doing more in life. But who can follow Jesus? Who is it that gets to enjoy all these amazing things? What, What kind of person is Jesus looking for? Well, where we're up to in the book of Luke, which follows the life of Jesus, is just before he enters Jerusalem to fulfill his life's mission. From chapter 9, verse 51, Jesus has been journeying from the north of Israel down towards Jerusalem in the south. And now we're in chapter 19, he's in Jericho, just on the edge of Jerusalem. And this is Jesus' last interaction with any person before he enters Jerusalem to complete his mission. And in this last interaction, we see the heart of what Jesus is on about, and it tells us about who can follow Jesus. So let's get stuck in. I don't have the verses on the screen, so you're going to need your Bibles in front of you. Have a look at verse 1. Jesus enters Jericho, and in Jericho there's this guy Zacchaeus. We'll call him Zach. And initially we learn two things about him. He's a chief tax collector, and he's rich. Uh, now they might not seem like particularly important details to us, but both of these details are meant to tell us that this is a guy who's spiritually lost. This is the kind of guy who has the least chance out of anyone of becoming a follower of Jesus and entering God's kingdom. He is spiritually lost. That might seem a bit weird to us because if we met someone who was successful because they helped other people pay their taxes, we'd probably think they're a pretty good person. Why do these things equal spiritually lost sinner? Well, it's because of what a tax collector in the first century was and it's because of what Jesus has just said about rich people entering God's kingdom. So let's look at those two things. What is a tax collector in the first century? Well, by definition, it means that you are a corrupt traitor. See, tax collectors have to be corrupt. Because the way you become a tax collector is that you offer bribes to the Romans. And whoever offers the biggest bribe, well, then you get to be the tax collector. And the way you make your money back and pay the bribe is you force people to pay heaps more money than whatever the tax amount is. You keep all that extra amount for yourself to pay back the bribe money and then you get rich on top of that. The tax collectors, they were corrupt. And they're also traitors because they were collecting taxes from the Jews on behalf of the occupying forces of Rome. So you've got this Jewish guy, Zach, he's collecting taxes from his fellow Jews in order to pay the Romans so that they can oppress all of his Jewish nation he was a traitor doing the dirty work of the oppressors getting rich doing it and now if that wasn't enough have a look at what Jesus has just said about being rich and entering the kingdom of God if you just look back to chapter 18 verse 24 Jesus said how difficult it is For those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Zach is a rich chief tax collector. There was no doubt to anyone on that day that he was lost when it comes to God, and he was hated. It said that there were people who wished that Zach would be chopped into bloody pieces so that they could force him through that eye of the needle. All that makes it very surprising when we get to verse 3 and 4. We see a guy who was so lost from God wants to see God in the flesh. It says Jesus came into town. He was swarmed. It was like Justin Bieber when he came to Sydney in 2010. People were just swinging off him everywhere over the fences and... uh, the thing about Zach is he's a little bit vertically challenged. He wanted to see Jesus, but he couldn't. And you can bet that no one was giving up their spot for him. So he ran ahead. He's doing a bit of trigonometry in his mind. He said, that's the tree. He's going to come past there and climb the tree just so he can get a glimpse of Jesus. And when you think about it, it's kind of humiliating, right? Super rich adults don't really climb trees could you imagine seeing james packer one of the top 10 wealthiest people in australia up a tree like a child like it just doesn't happen we don't know exactly why he was so keen to see jesus maybe he'd heard of levi another tax collector who'd become a follower of jesus maybe he would found his lifestyle of wealth and pleasure unsatisfying and he wanted to hear from this teacher who promised life to the full. Whatever the case, Zach put his dignity on the line because he wanted to see Jesus. It's kind of surprising. But what happens next is even more unexpected. Zacchaeus is in a tree down the road and Jesus is making his way through the Justin Bieber crowd. His security team's kind of holding back the horde of 13 year old girls holding up their signs. People are closing in and it's loud and Jesus stops and he looks up in the tree, and he looks straight at the most lost person in the entire crowd. Can you imagine, viewers of were Zacchaeus, how that would have felt? Have you ever been called out in front of a room full of people? Have you ever gotten in trouble, maybe in front of your friends when you had friends over from school, from your parents? You get sweaty, I get sweaty, Your heart starts to race. You kind of feel that that pain and sickness in your stomach. Jesus looks at him and says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. I must stay at your house today. What? Out of everyone who was there that day, why would Jesus stay at his house? Zacchaeus isn't just seeking Jesus we see that Jesus is seeking him. It's incredible. Zach's probably thinking he's won the lottery. To him he's got to think, what are the chances? But for God, this has always been part of his plan. From the beginning of the world, there was always a 100% chance on God's end that this was gonna happen. That's how God works. He is completely in control. He has a plan. And he's working for the good of those who love him. That's what the Bible says. The, the theological nerd word for that is sovereignty, God's sovereign. He is in control. And as a semi slight aside, when you start to see God in control and at work in your life in that level of detail, it really changes things. Now, we often walk around thinking that we're in control of life or just things just kind of happen to us. But the reality is, God is at work, and He's planned out even the small details of your life. But my sense, at least for me, is that we don't usually recognise that. Do you? I wonder what difference it would make if we realised more deeply God's sovereign work in our life. For example, did you know that God planned for you to sit next to and across from the people you're sitting with today at church? Do you think you'd be more intentional in trying to encourage the people around you if you believed that? Did you know that God planned that when you get your tea after church today that you'd arrive there at the same time as someone else? Do you think you'd be more likely to welcome that person to church if you believe that? God also planned that difficult thing in your life. What would change if you believe that he is completely in control? I'm reading a book at the moment that's called Enjoying God by Tim Chester. It's been really helpful in opening my eyes to see how God has been working in my everyday life. I brought it and it's sitting in my car. I have got to bring it up. But he's got this practical example at the end of his chapter on hardship and I want to read it to you. It says Monday morning, Mike arrives at the station to find his train's been cancelled. Two train lines of passengers are now crammed on the next train and Mike has to stand. He's given up any hope of being able to read his book. The guy pushed up next to him clearly hasn't heard of deodorant. The next 40 minutes aren't going to be fun. Perhaps God thinks I need to learn some patience. Mike thinks to himself. Or perhaps he's giving me time to reflect on yesterday's sermon. My father, whispers Mike, thank you for this train. I have no idea what your purpose is in all this. But please use it to make me more like Jesus. Isn't that amazing? To see how things change when you really believe that God is sovereign and is in control of the big and small things in your life. It's not that everything now will have a neat answer where you can obviously see God at work. We might not always see an obvious answer. But God is still at work, just like he was with Zacchaeus. God planned that meeting in front of a massive crowd of people so that everyone would know what Jesus is on about and who he wants to follow. him. Jesus wasn't just feeling nice on one particular day. He tells us exactly why he went straight for Zacchaeus. Have a look at verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost seeking out lost people is exactly what jesus does the son of man is an old testament reference about a king who god would give authority to rule his kingdom forever and jesus is saying he's that king and as the king He is seeking lost people to be part of his kingdom it's incredible like, it's completely unexpected Who is it that can follow Jesus and enjoy all the benefits and blessings? It's anyone who's lost. Anyone who knows that they're lost. Jesus isn't looking for really good people or super religious people. Jesus comes to this massive town, Jericho, and we're only told about him meeting one person in it. This corrupt, traitorous, lost tax collector. Do you feel like you're lost when it comes to God? Do you feel like he never want you or accept you? The truth is, you are exactly who he wants. Jesus came from heaven to earth for you. He loves you. It's breathtaking, it's an amazing truth. Jesus came to seek and to save anyone who's lost. If you want to find out more, please sign up to our Life Series. I think Jasper's announced it. It's a great way to find out more about who Jesus is and what he offers. Chuck it on your Connect card. I'd love to get in touch about it. What Jesus does with Zach is incredible. And it brings about two different responses, right? You get the crowd's response... And Zacchaeus. have a look at verse 7 and when they saw it the crowd they all grumbled he's going in to be the guest of a man who's a sinner and when the crowd saw Jesus invite himself over for a slumber party at Zach's place they grumbled they were mad that Jesus would stay at a sinner's place why do you think that is? because to me it seems like a really nice thing that Jesus has done why would they be upset with him? Well, it's because they get who Jesus is. They didn't know everything about Jesus, but they knew that he was somehow from God and that he claimed to be a righteous king. And the thing about being a righteous king from God is that he should be completely against sin because they know that sin is ultimately against God. Sin is offensive to God. God can't stand sin. God can't be near sin. Or, more accurately, sin can't be anywhere near God. And so if God really did come to earth, surely he'd punish sinners. And certainly he wouldn't pick the biggest sinner out of an entire city and stay at his house. Especially when there's so many other good religious people around to choose from. How dare Jesus do that? Doesn't he know how big a deal sin is? Doesn't he care? Well, they understand part of Jesus, but they don't get the full picture. Because he does care, he knows exactly how big a deal sin is, and that's why he came to seek and to save the lost from sin. The crowd didn't have a full picture of Jesus, and they didn't have a full picture of themselves. They thought Zach was this lost sinner, and they were all pretty good. They were all very. There would have been a lot of very religious people in the crowd, good people with good families, good jobs, well-respected people. But the reality is that on that day, everyone who was there was a lost soul. It's true that there's only two types of people in the world, but it's not that there's some people out there who are good and there's others who are lost in sinful. The reality is that there's some people who are lost and they know it, and the rest are also lost, but they have no idea. It's dangerous to be a sinner. It's dangerous to be lost because being lost from God is to be cut off from heaven, to experience hell eternally. One of the things that Jesus is clear on is that hell is a real place and that we all deserve to go there because of sin. But do you know what's even more dangerous than being a lost sinner? It's to not even know or admit that you're a sinner who's lost from God. Because if you don't even know that you're lost, you're much further from being found. Do you know that you're lost? Some people will hear Zach's story and they just feel like, that's me. I know that I'm far from God. But you might be going, that's not me at all. I'm a good person. I've got a good job and a great family. I recycle. I even use my FOGO properly. The problem when we say that is we don't actually understand what true goodness is about. See, Jesus, he once talked about what makes someone good. And his answer has two parts. This is what he said. It's going to come up on the screen. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. Whenever we think of being good, we almost always think of that second part, love the people around you, but we rarely think of the God part. But Jesus said that this is the heart of what it means to be good. And see, something is only truly good when it works the way it's meant to, right? If you got a card it had all the bells and whistles, right? It's super comfortable, it looks good, it's even got cup holders that fit your cup, but it keeps breaking down then it's not a good car because cars are made to get you from one place to the other. If it doesn't do that, then it's not a good car. No matter how good all of the other things are. You and I are designed, we're made to relate properly to each other. We all know that, we're built for relationships. But even more importantly than that, we are made to relate properly to our God. To have Him at the centre of our life. And the fact that we don't do that means that we're actually not good. God is not in the centre of our lives. We don't do the thing that we're made for. We're sinners and we're lost. Do you know that you're lost? Jesus wants to seek and to save you, but you need to admit that you're lost first. That's the crowd's response to Jesus. Now let's have a look at Zach. Joy and radical change. Have a look at verse 6. After Jesus organised his sleepover parties, Zacchaeus hurried and came down and received him joyfully. He knew exactly how big it was that Jesus would hang out with him. He was blown away over the moon. He was filled with joy. And what he did next is unbelievable. look at verse 8. Zacchaeus stood and said to the lord behold lord half of my goods i give to the poor if i've defrauded anyone of anything i restore it fourfold immediately he gives half of his money away and then with the other half he pays back anyone that he's defrauded four times over and you kind of go if he's defrauded anyone pretty sure he's defrauded almost everyone and so it's going to be a lot a lot of money It's incredible. Like it's just so hard to... It's so far from our experience, it's hard to imagine what it would be like to give away almost all of your money. It's a radical change. And Jesus says, Today, salvation has come to this house. It's not that he's saved because he was really generous. Trusting Jesus is what saves you. Following Jesus is what saves you. But because he's now a follower of Jesus everything for him has changed material things now have a completely different purpose they're for serving others for the kingdom not himself generosity doesn't make you a follower of jesus but if you follow jesus you will become very generous you see this rich man is doing the impossible he's going through the eye of a needle to enter the kingdom but it's not in bloody pieces as the crowd around him wanted it's by the blood of the son of man see when jesus leaves zach's house he goes straight to jerusalem to give up his life to die to deal with our sin so that lost sinners can follow jesus and be part of his kingdom this is the best thing ever there's no two ways about it if you get what's going on this is something that you want to be part of so who gets to? who can follow Jesus and enjoy all the benefits and blessings of being part of God's kingdom? anyone who's lost. that's the criteria if you're someone who feels like Zacchaeus, like God would never accept you that Jesus wouldn't want you to be someone who follows him know that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost You are perfectly placed to follow Jesus. You are exactly who he wants. Please come along to life to find out more. If you're someone who doesn't resonate with the case, you feel like you're a pretty good person, like this just seems kind of crazy, will you consider the possibility that you might be lost? Because Jesus came and died because he's convinced that you are. you already follow Jesus? Fantastic. Will you respond like Zacchaeus? Joy and radical change. How are you going at giving thanks and renewing your joy at the best thing that has ever happened to you by far? Or are you often more prone to grumbling like those in the crowd? And have you been radically changed? Not because it saves you, but because you have been saved This passage brings up money. Has your use of money undergone a radical change? If you were around last year, we did the generosity project. Did you follow through on your project? Were you scared to set a significant financial goal? I felt that. I don't say this to guilt you or just to increase the church budget, but we're convinced that generous giving is an important part of a radical life that follows Jesus we want what's best for you and this is part of it great joy radical change following Jesus is by far the best thing ever you get forgiveness and a relationship with a God who loves you you get real clarity on life you get the ultimate home and the ultimate family and so much more but who can follow Jesus anyone who's lost, that's you Will you follow him? Let me pray. Father, thank you so much that you would send your son to seek and save lost people like us. We are blown away, completely undeserving of your love. Help us to receive Jesus with great joy. Help us to see the world world as you see it a lost people in need of your grace and love and help us to follow Jesus with radically changed lives, putting him at the centre of our lives may we count that pure joy please help us to do that pray this in Jesus name, Amen